Hey everybody, welcome to Top 5 Movies. I'm John Burke. Back this week is Corey Starr. Woo! Hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. That's rock. Alright, we're going to be doing our Top 5 Movie Handshakes, or Handshake Movies, if you will, which essentially are like movies that we identify with that if we were meeting somebody for the first time, and we're going to kind of... Uh, identify our movie characteristics these films kind of represent that um i want to give credit to pure cinema podcast this is where the uh the topic came to me um well i guess it was presented to me uh that was their first episode and in fact their most recent episode they did like an extended handshake episode where they went a little further into their uh their films but i liked the topic and i thought it would be fun um we've been doing this for over a year now and while i think we the three of us have a pretty good idea of our overall movies i know myself i tend to uh try to avoid some of my like favorite films because i don't want them to be on every single list but i didn't do that this time um but this week uh cory it's your turn back and i think it's your turn to go first if i'm not mistaken or mike is it yours um who went I know Ben went first two weeks ago. I think I went last week, didn't I? No. I think I went first last week, so then I think it is yours. I almost made a mistake. Um, Sorry, Corey. I'm jumping in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Welcome welcome back, by the way. (laughs) You're welcome back. Yeah, right. I'm sure off screen. That's how I do it. I'll I'll wrap it up. I'll go third, and Corey, so you can go in the middle. Um, Why don't you uh, give us our spoiler warning we've been missing? Oh, man. Okay. Um, so we're probably going to ruin these movies for you. If you want to check out our list ahead of time, you can go to BurkeReviews.com to check them out first or full steam ahead. And I know um, I didn't give you guys any kind of heads up with this, but I was hoping maybe you inferred from the uh, the topic that these are kind of like personal um, explanations uh-huh. that we're looking for. So you're welcome to go into the uh, the details of the film itself, but also I think maybe try to at least include... Um, why you feel this movie kind of represents you either as a movie watcher or as a person. If you can. If you can't, that's fine too. You know? We're we're kinda loosey goosey. Um Wow, your your level changed on me. I think my hair's messed up. Or maybe it wasn't me. I don't know. Uh anyways. I thought it was I thought it was me channeling grandpa from <laughs> So I married an axe burner and I said, If you can't <laughs> It got all loud. Maybe I'll gotta turn my my headphones down now. All right. Well, uh, when you're ready, I mean, Mike. Yeah, uh, we're not we're not le- we're not laying odds this week. Oh oh um, man, this one would I think is the hardest one because I have no idea how you would have approached this. Uh huh. Um, I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna go three. <laughs> I'm gonna go three. Oh, brave. <laughs> See, it is tricky because it depend. It is dependent, and I'm gonna jump on in unless you. That's what I was going to say, actually. I was going to okay. say jump on it. All right. So it's, it is it is tricky being we have our own you know takes on it every week, and we all seem to know each other fairly well. You know, I did try, however. I think my honorable mentions would be the ones 
that you would figure the most uh-huh. definitely identify with me. Now, these ones also on my five identify with me, and I would figure at least one or two of them are going to have been spoken of or might have been on a list. So we will see. Um, so I'm going to jump in. In a lot of the same manner that Roger Corman has produced films on the cheap and made a fair living doing so, uh, Lloyd Kaufman has created his own pseudo-empire with his trauma entertainment works. Mm-hmm. So while Corman has launched the careers of some pretty heavy hitter Hollywood players, Kaufman isn't necessarily known for that. Uh, although I will say James Gunn is one of the, his notable air yeah. quote graduates from Troma Entertainment. And if you look quickly, you will catch Lloyd Kaufman uh, in a cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy if you, oh. if you spotted him. Oh, yeah, yeah. you got to look for it, but he is there. So that said, 1986's... Class of Newcomb High makes its appearance as my number five pick for handshake films. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, the scores are dismal. 20% rotten on the tomatometer, 5.7 user score, IMDb score, no meta scores assigned to it. It's one of those, yeah, it's funny you go with the interesting route. I I took these, picking these as my personal litmus tests to give us a better idea of what people would be like. And not just anybody is going to know Troma Entertainment. Uh, I grew up, you know, on visiting every Friday night until I had other interests. But for a long while, the Friday night video store Mm -hmm. and the the prices were right. I think it was like a dollar or something. It was cheap enough. My my stepdad had no issues. He would pick. We would grab handfuls and we would have movies pretty much through the weekend. And Troma films were there was a nicely stocked i remember this it was right by winn dixie's standalone building you know the mom and pop it was not a chain it was quite a bit before blockbuster uh and and trauma films i gravitated to whether it was toxic avenger kabuki man um surf nazis must die but class of nukem high was the first and it led me on that road of films i probably shouldn't have been watching at the age i was yeah. To see if it was uh, 1986 i would have been 13 let's say a year or two after every i guess i would have been 15 16 maybe but i don't think so i don't think i was quite that old so i figure anyone that's on the same page as i am with trauma films is going to share some pretty common ground with me so we'll have a lot of similar sensibilities and it's not one of those i just offer up you know because i don't wear any now i'm gonna have to seek them out i'd like to have some trauma fandom shirts <laughs> Uh, but uh, I, I, it's not to say I'm going to discount someone that isn't familiar with it, but it would help me. It's it's like the first line of, of defense to know someone to to, okay. to put pe- to to compartmentalize people. Well, I will say um, I've not seen this particular film, but I am very familiar with trauma. I I know I've mentioned on the the podcast before that I I was a fan of Toxic Adventure when I was a kid. Um, partly because they made an animated series too, which the tox yeah toxic, which is so weird. It is very weird, but I got into both. Um, and similar thing, I was able to rent one from I think like Specs at the Winter Haven Mall back in the day. Um, and <laughs> oh, I, Specs used to rent movies. Yeah, they, they had the indoor store in the mall, but the outdoor store was uh they kept like as a rental place for a while. Um, oh, yep, weird. That was a long time ago. Um, but uh. Yeah, I I really um I always liked that and I think I might have saw a couple other trauma films 
because they would show up on like Cinemax late at night or whatever. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I have always been aware of them and that they were, you know, not not always going to appeal to every audience and they go extreme. No. Um, so Very niche for sure. Definitely going to put give you a mindset of who you're talking to. I would say in a handshake. <laughs> Um, I'm kind of impressed that you were able to find a stock, you know what I mean? Because I feel like even now, um, we used to have a guy that also worked in the mall that would seek out those movies, and some of them were really hard to get a hold of. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that you had a store so close by that, especially in Polk County, that was, you know, stocked enough with those movies because they are definitely, you know. Well, I, I grew up in Miami, so that was, that's part of probably why. Whoever mm-hmm. bought films from my place, the mom and pop place, they had a little bit of everything, so it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. All right. Well, that's Mike's number five uh, for his handshake movie. Corey, uh, I think we said you're going second, right? Yeah. Um, I chose a movie that you and I reviewed for a movie club, actually. Um, Blue Valentine oh, wow. from 2010. Because you guys know that I love sad movies about love <laughs> or like messed up families. They just, I don't know what it is. Um, but I love Michelle Williams so much um, and Ryan Gosling. And I, this director, Derek C. in France, I feel like I'm always saying that wrong. Um, I would definitely be on the lookout for more of his work. We also watched uh, Light Between Oceans from him, and there's another one that's. Place Beyond the Pines, but we didn't do it for the episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've oh, seen that, by him, I think. That's the same director? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. fantastic. Okay. Yeah. I, and I was going to say, I love how different each of his films are, but um, I think that this would be definitely my number five. Very cool. Um, I love this movie. I actually was considering including, uh, when I when I made my list, um, I made it. I made several lists before I finally settled on the one that I'm going to present. Uh, one of them was I was trying to think of like movies that I love and that are commonly said by other people, like um, with the mindset that then I would pick a movie that I could pair with it. So like if somebody said Jaws, I'm like, okay, Jaws is a great movie. Have you ever seen this movie? And um, this is like D- Derek in France. That was kind of my mindset with him is that, you know, oh, you like Ryan Gosling? Well, he's worked with him twice, and both of his movies are fantastic. You should check them out. Um, because I think he's a lesser known to your casual film watcher. Um, but I really do enjoy his movies. But I ended up going a different direction with my list, and it's more mainstream of what movies kind of identify my personality. So it's not on my list, but definitely a great movie. And one that I recommend Mike check out. Um Yes, I, I, I've been um, sad, still... sad love stories are, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant about, but I do like her. I always get confused. I think I get this one and Nine Songs mixed up. Uh, Nine Songs is Michael Winterbottom, and what else did he do? I think he did 24-hour party people. So, mm-hmm. But I really, really enjoyed Place Beyond the Pines. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So good. And The Light Between Oceans is really great, too, although uh, still got a sad... Sad. um, For sure. But Rachel Weiss, Michael Fassbender, and Alicia Vikander in that one, all excellent. Um, All right, I guess that leads to my number five. Um, My number five is from uh, 2000, and this is a movie that um, not only does it represent me, it does kind of represent the podcast in a way because it's high fidelity. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> this is a film that I, f- I feel like I, I don't know many people who have seen this movie when I talk to wow. people. Like, when I when I meet people, a lot of times I'm like, oh, have you ever seen High Fidelity? Very rarely do people know what I'm talking about. And I don't even remember how I came across this movie. But there was so much um, about this movie that just, like, is me in a lot of ways. And not necessarily the uh, the love story element, but his, you know, he the way he is with music and the way his friends are with music. Um was a big part of my life and even like the top five thing um whether or not i i ad- adopted that from this movie or it was just kind of who i was already and i found like a kinship with it i don't even remember anymore but it's definitely something that i i've always kind of clung to and that's why when i was trying to figure out a format for a podcast to jump into this is what i came up with um was heavily because it's something i like to do um i almost find it therapeutic to like you know categorize things in the list like this so um and then it introduced jack black to me i believe this was maybe the first film that i remember him in um it was not his first film but i think it was like the first one that i really became aware of him and was a fan of his um and i mean while it definitely was not my first john cusack this is still i think my favorite cusack performance um probably wow. like he's in a lot of stuff i like though so it's hard to say for sure but i really do I like say that's that's tough to narrow down to just one. Yeah, him. and I could have gone um, a couple of directions with this, like I part of me, because he owns a record store, and I could have gone to Empire Records for that, because I I did for a long time want to own a record store. I did manage a record store, well, music store, uh, and movies, um, but but then when you gambled away all the money, then <laughs> it didn't work out. Yeah, but I could have gone Empire or something like that. Um, but this movie just connects. Um, in a lot of ways, and I also think it's an excellent film. I think the the story that's being told is very compelling. I think the performances are great, and um, even his sister Joan Cusack has some really great moments in the film. Um, and in fact, uh, there's a scene that I think it's my favorite scene in the movie um, when Tim Robbins comes into the record store to confront him, <laughs> and we get like the uh, the fantasies of how he would handle it, and then he in reality does nothing, just basically nods and says okay. And I really connect with that. Um, there's a lot of times when I, I fantasize much braver responses than I actually would give and often end up with the simple, okay, um, rather than you know going big or going um, postal in a way. So that scene I really also connect with quite a bit. Yes, have any comments on High Fidelity? Uh, we every once in a while will... Because I like that Jack Black quote when he says, "There's no way that your daughter likes that Stevie Wonder song." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 she, oh, I'm sorry. Is she in a coma? Yeah. And oh my that, I mean, just that's just one spot. And I'm trying to think, his was that um, um from the Cosby Show. I'm trying to think who uh, the actress's um, name. Lisa Bonnet or Lisa Bonet? What, Lisa, what, Lisa Bonet? Is that? She's in it. Was she's one of his exes? Okay. No, actually, yeah. no. She's the girl he has kind of like a little fling with in the movie. Um, okay. She's a okay. musician in the film, and then they end up kind of clicking and having like a one night stand, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and then he also has that scene we're talking about fantasies. When was it the motorcycle through the after he spots the, his one ex at dinner? Yeah, yeah. He does something with like he imagines. It happens a few times, so, I guess, in the movie, like that idea of being bolder or bigger than you actually are going to be you know 
Um, it's, and I think a lot, a lot of that's very relatable. Well, I figure anybody can relate to that moment of rage when you feel like you're just going to fly. I, I don't know. We, we just step out and it feels very satisfying. Definitely. Even though you know you can't do that in real life. Mm. I remember what a jerk he is, though, in this movie. To not necessarily ever to his friends, but when he's going back and trying to retrace how all of his relationships failed. And even at one point, he's kind of chiding his girlfriend um, about how she dresses and does her hair now and she couldn't possibly enjoy her new job. And it's like, have you ever stopped to listen and actually ask her if she likes her new job? Um, that's what I remember about his character in the movie. See, is- I feel like, well, I think you're right. I think that is who he is initially. I think that's the, the journey of the film is him trying to figure out, you know, what he does wrong and not necessarily <laughs> that he makes the dramatic change at the end, but I mean, you know, um, and I, I think even in some ways, like, I try to be a good person, but I know I, I do jerk things more often because it's sometimes just easier to be a jerk. You know, not, not necessarily consciously, you know, but like the uh, the reaction of like, you know, saying what you are thinking when you, you know, maybe you should put a little more effort to uh, to be, you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes versus like just saying what you want i mean there's a selfishness to it and while i'm not proud of being selfish i i sometimes am so fair enough but all right that's my number five high fidelity and again it's emphasized with the music um i i also again really appreciate the top five we're going into mike's number four all right well having spoken of, of roger corman just recently my next pick is from the aforementioned producer director actor and it features the Ramones, PJ Souls, who was from Carrie, Halloween, and a few other works. Vince Van Patten, can't, I, I'm thinking he was from Eight, Eight is Enough. Clint Howard, yes, Ron Howard's brother. Uh, to be truthful, this is another one that uh, basically I can attribute this to my stepfather. He and I shared a, uh, this as a common interest, and it was ultimately this that got me started listening to the Ramones, and I, I've honestly never looked back. The premise is silly. It's a lit in that a litany of uh, high school principals have suffered nervous breakout breakdowns because of the schools. I think it's Vince Lombardi High School. Uh, the the penchant for rock and roll, hence it being called Rock and Roll High School. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes actually has a an eighty percent fresh rating on it. Uh, Six point eight user score IMDb rating. No no meta score. Uh, it's it is. If you know the Ramones, you mean most typically, typically most people are going to associate them with the music, and that's cool. And this was kind of like um, I grew up watching the Monkees. Oh yeah, like, oh, okay, the Monkees. This, this is the next step, you know, punk rock Monkees. Um, <laughs> and um, it, it stuck with me. I, I love the Ramones and the fact that that Joey was from Queens as well. You know, I, I associated with that really well. Definitely personal to me. Say the name again. Rock and Roll High School with the, ah. uh, not the apostrophe, I guess the apostrophe N in between them. There was a, I didn't realize, but there was a horrible, I think it was 1990s Rock and mm. Roll High School 2 with Corey Feldman in it. Oh, why? So I didn't even know that existed, <laughs> oh, no. and now that serves as a warning uh, that just leave well enough alone. 
I've, I've actually not seen this um, and a couple of other of the big high school movies um, that are like I feel like are in the same vein, but I, I feel like I would like it. I probably need to get you know get to this one. Yes, I would say so for sure. I am probably going to get rocks thrown at me. I'm not a fan of the Ramones. I know that's un-American. Mm-hmm. Well, I know. That welcome back last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I like a couple of their songs, but overall, not a fan. Um, my husband is, though, which is weird. So I don't know if I'd get to this one, but I know that they're, you know, I've heard about it. So sorry, Mike, to disappoint you. <laughs> It, it's okay. Um, no. sure You're I, like, what's I'm new? Sure, I have had moments of disappointment, and no. I guess I can't be John Cusack in my music store touting the the amazingness of the Ramones to everyone. Okay. <laughs> All right, Corey. Well, I'm then... coming across the counter, though. I'm coming oh, across the counter careful. right now. I, oh gosh, I'm glad I'm in the whole a whole other co- corner of the country. Um, I needed to put this director on my list but i feel like we have talked about him and i tried not to use too many movies that we've talked about before a couple i couldn't i couldn't avoid but um my number four is murder party from oh, 2007 very cool directed by jeremy saunier uh big fans here we're making buttons if you guys want buttons we'll come up with a p.o box but uh i love this movie so much it's ridiculous and that's fine. Um, I love that it takes place on Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday of the whole like the whole year. Um, and I think that I wish that I would have been able to start here with him because I started with Blue Ruin and then went on to Green Room and then back to Murder Party. And I think that um, it would have been just fun to start there because it's you know been kind of a long almost 10 years uh, between that one and his uh, green room. But I think that it was a good, it like set up, you know, where he's going to be with films, like all the tension, all um, the movement. So number four is murder party. The the change between, I mean, blue ruin and and green room have definitely a similar similarity in tone. And I Mm -hmm. thought murder party kind of had a more fun vibe yeah definitely got that comedy and, and to have gone from that to blue ruin because mm-hmm. that's that was right after well not right after but to have that be the follow-up mm-hmm. i don't know that people would have expected it and i definitely and having seen it because i think i saw green room and i was late i wish i'd seen it in the theater you got to work twice uh, twice I even and caught most of blue ruin um, and then I, I forget why I didn't finish it, but I liked it enough that I'm like, wow, I need to seek it out again. And then stumbled upon Murder Party somehow. And I'm like, wow, these are, it's so different from the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but it, it's beginning filmmaker for one, but um, Green, I actually saw them in that order, uh, Green Room, Blue Room, and, and Murder Party. And I am a big Saulnier fan. Um uh, Green Room was put on my list a couple of times. It did not make the final cut. It is an honorable mention, though, because it is a film that um, it's one that I've been an advocate for from the from day one. Like, it's a small film. Not enough people saw it. It did get a pretty wide release comparative to some of the other A twenty four films, but it's a film I constantly bring up to people in conversation 
So in a way, it's a literal handshake film. Um, but uh, and also, it's become the basis of all comparison for me with thrillers. Any movie that's supposed to put me on the edge of my seat, oh. if it doesn't live oh, up yeah. to Green Room, it gets judged pretty harsh. And, and they never have, do. Yeah, so um, it's it's a tough act for a small film as it is, and all, all the talent involved. Oh, so much talent. That makes you miss Anton Yelchin even that so much bad. more. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it, it, there, it's you sweat bullets just watching that. Yeah, and that's um, you know once you because yeah, it turns it on you. You don't realize to, unless you've read on it what you're getting into. Yeah, big time. And there's a in that movie too. There's that strong appreciation for music that I connect with as mm-hmm. well. Um, and even, I mean, it kind of brings up a hot button topic, which I don't want to get into because it, I oh, think we'll end up talking yeah, for a long yeah. time. But it is uh, very, very timely before this everything that's going on right now. Yeah, like it, it came out uh, last year, and it seems even more kind of appropriate right now in some ways. So, um, well, I mean, not to get too political. I mean, because I don't want. I, 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 that's not what we're about. But it's. You'd like to think there aren't pockets that are like that out there, but clearly there yeah, are. Yeah. And having we just started back to school and kind of doing in the get to know you stuff, uh, going through school codes of conduct, very clearly the harassment and discrimination part. Yeah, I gave my kids my personal experiences because I never grew up with that. Not in New York, not in Miami, and it wasn't until moving to Polk County that I ever felt it. Oh, wow. And it, I had two crazy, three crazy stories. I only shared two with them. Uh, just real quick. I mean, you, the, the barber shop that I ended up going to, you could, having to go to use the restroom, you could see where they just didn't care enough. You could still see the whites only part at their oh, bathroom door. Oh, wow. Yeah. And come to find out it was the guy, you know, the one grand dragon of the KKK was the one that ran for. Yeah, Mayor. Yeah, 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 and that that's a whole and and I told them that too, and they're like looking at me. I said, guys, this was, twenty, you know, twenty seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, twenty seven, and then I've had other experiences. We were not going to get into it, but it's it's like whoa, you just the well, things. Going so so much of that seems so far away, but I just watched Loving yesterday, and I'm sad I missed yeah. that one in the theater. But mm-hmm. it it wasn't that long ago. It was mm-hmm. not even sixty years ago. Mm-mm. And if you're not like, familiar it, with the premise of Loving, that is the uh, based on the actual trial that happened in Loving, Virginia. No, I'm sorry, it was Virginia, but Loving is the name of the last name of the the people. Um, who it was an interracial marriage that was uh they they had to leave the state. They went to Washington D.C. and got married because it was illegal to get married to someone of another race in Virginia. And then once they were discovered to be living together, they were kicked out of Virginia essentially. Um, under much duress, and it's the story of them fighting for uh, their legal rights to be married. Yep. And it stars Joel Edgerton, and oh, uh, I'm gonna forget the girl's name because she's fairly new. Right? R- Ruth. Ruth and yeah, that's I it. I totally forgot that it was the same a- same director from Midnight Special, yep. which mm-hmm. would make complete sense that Michael Shannon, Michael Shannon, and yeah. Joel Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, right Jeff Nichols, uh, who is one of my, oh, another right. director who I'm a big fan of. Um, I loved uh, Take Shelter with Michael Shannon a lot. Oh, so good. Yeah, that was really cool. Nuts. Yeah. Uh, 
all three of them. Well, Midnight Special and Take Shelter kind of have something, not quite. Supernatural. But though. Loving, yeah, yeah, that tone to it. But Loving is a completely different yeah. you know, genre. And he, he nails it. I mean, it's, it's a very well-executed movie. Uh, it did feel a little long to me um, when I saw it, but it may have just been maybe too heavy for the day. You know, sometimes the movie's just not... Mm-hmm. Not not meshing it's with not, the mood. Not you're the in. day for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I knew going in it was going to be kind of heavy, but it's still. Um, I mean, the performances of Joel Edgerton has c- continues to impress me every time I see him in a new movie. I'm just like consistently blown away by that guy. Um, all right, but we don't want to spend too much time on a single movie. So, um, is it? It's my turn, right? I believe so. Yeah, number four for me. Um, very much lighter than the last uh, discussion. Um, Mall Rats from 1995. Um, <laughs> there's a few reasons. Uh, one, I am still a Kevin Smith. Um, I think at this point I might be an apologist, as I find myself aren't like, we all, aren't we? All oh no! Well? I mean, because you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe maybe his newest stuff isn't perfect. Uh, I did find joy in Tusk. I don't think Tusk is perfect by any means, but I, I found. I enjoyed watching it. I like that movie. Um, Yeah, and I'm a big Justin Long fan, too, so that helps. Uh, But Kevin Smith's old films connect with me in a lot of different ways. He very much feels like a friend making movies about stuff that I like. You know, Star Wars is a constant reference point for his characters. And Mallrats, when it came out in 95, really hit me perfectly because I was a Mallrat. I went to the mall every single weekend. Um, Eventually, that evolved into going to a movie when our, uh, our mall had a movie theater. Uh, which still does. It's still where I go almost every single weekend. Um, and so my, my movie-watching habit was connected to my role, my mall rat uh, nature. That was where I went to hang out. Um, and it's got some great people in it. It's the first time I remember seeing Ben Affleck. Uh, Jason Lee, who had a really great career after this, but I love Jason Lee in this movie. Brody's one of my favorite characters, period. Um, you got Shannon Doherty give, doing great work. And then... Um, Jane and the Bob are, are really great in this movie and I think uh, feature some of their best stuff. I mean, really, Dogma and After uh, after really focus on Jane and the Bob, and I enjoy those movies. I love Dogma, and I love Jane and the Bob Strike Back, um, despite it being essentially just a bunch of uh, callbacks to the other movies. Um, but I think introducing people to, like, that I'm a fan of this film is important as... I again am a Kevin Smith fan. I I you know still watch his movies. I still support his other stuff, his podcast and whatnot. So saying you know Mallrats is a movie that I still love, um, and it's also one that has a forty one on Metacritic and did not do well in the box office. So I like being I like repping this one over Clerks, um, although Clerks is kind of where I think everyone should enter into Kevin Smith's world, partly because his movies are interconnected. But um, Mallrats is uh, I think my preference. So there you go. Oddly enough, it is one of the only ones I think that my wife really liked of his. I'm not sure why. Maybe because it was so zany. I mean, it's it, it's it's not. Re- She's not a Kevin Smith person. Yeah, never has been. Uh, I think we saw. I know we saw Dogma in the theater. Mallrats we missed. Clerks we got on on the video store. So yeah. It's grown on me. I think originally, having watched it, it, it was kind of iffy, but definitely a whole lot more palatable than um, 
yoga hosers. Um, um, leaps and bounds. That's not even fair to include. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's not. I mean, he's at a different point. Although he, it's it wasn't that long ago that he did Red State, and I really I love got Red, into State. Red State. Red State's one that Red's... I I often will bring up. One because I'm a Kevin Smith fan again, but two, I know a lot of people have not seen or heard of that movie, and again, um. It's very timely. Very timely. <laughs> uh, Red State, while focused on a religious organization deciding to militarize, um, it it could be applied to any group of individuals who have a like mind, and um, it's scary in a lot of ways. It's it's. I think he doesn't do a lot of action, um, and Red State nails that. But yeah, Mallrats. Um, I almost forgot to mention, though, Michael Rooker. That's the first time I ever saw Michael uh-huh. Rooker. Yeah. And um, who's now done great things. I mean, he's Yondu in the Guardians of the Galaxy. He was uh, Merle in Walking Dead. So, I mean, he's had some major roles in today's world. And Kevin Smith had him, I don't think first, but it's the first time I ever saw Michael Rooker. So. See, uh, my first Michael Rooker terrified me. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, I've heard about that movie. <sighs> and, I mean, being based on a real life crazy just uh, i don't want to get too far off of a tangent but just here's how crazy the circle of serial killers is okay so otis if i remember i might be getting the names right wrong but henry lee lucas and his dude that the that guy had ran in similar circles as jeffrey dahmer and whom i i Eventually, I think it was Henry Lucas's partner, the guy, was the one that they never proved, but was highly suspect. And do y'all remember the Adam Walsh disappearance? Yes. And which was about 15 minutes north of where we were living in Miami. That's wow. but but Dahmer at that point, if I remember reading, you know, I like I mentioned my my true crime reading stuff. Dahmer had been in part of the people that were they wondered about. Around that time, too, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, crazy. And that was, like, not that far from my house. So I was surprised I was ever able to do anything else. Maybe my mom didn't watch the news. (laughs) Well, I had to have Mallrats on my list um, because it's definitely a movie that I feel uh, it it, it reveals a part of me. You know, it was a part of my life. I'm no longer a Mallrat, but I definitely was through my later high school years. And then I'm still a Kevin Smith fan. I like Jason Lee still a lot, even though I didn't really enjoy the uh, My Name is Earl TV show so much. But um, Same. But, I, you know, I still – I tried because it was Jason Lee. I, I just didn't click for me. But, um, all right, uh, let's go to Mike's number three. All right, so continuing with the punk theme that I just mentioned in my last pick, my number three pick is Penelope Spheris Classic. Decline of Western Civilization documentary from 1981. I was wondering about if anyone was going to do a doc. I considered it, but... Well, uh, in the age of VHS, and going back to our mom-and-pop store that had that, I, this was a particular, particularly fortunate find for me to fi- you know, to even be able to get it as a rental. Um, I think I had friends in high school that owned it, and basically the premise Spheres took care to highlight some of the giants of the LA punk scene, the germs X fear, the circle jerks, black flag. Those are just a few of the ones that she, she covered. Black flag was the one that spoke to me because that's your big fan. Yeah, I was, uh, that was probably pre Rollins. I would say Des or some of they went through a slew of singers. 
and um i via skate videos black flats stood out to me there was a few songs that people had used on their runs and so obviously this took you know grabbed my attention interestingly enough despite having been requested by the then lapd chief of police to not show this film in la anymore after it had been shown because there was a creepy crawly time is what they called it when it, it got pretty violent at the punk rock shows well think like the green room how you know how the show was mm-hmm. it was pretty raw and lots of energy back and forth between police and the punkers uh oddly enough beyond despite that request to not show it it, it was in 2016 so just last year selected for preservation in the united states national film registry oh that's cool the library yeah it's really cool it was it served as the uh, the first part of a trilogy she ended up making decline of western civilization part two the metal years really interesting ozzy osbourne was one of the highlighted ones um there was a few other metal bands just a difference because Having seen MTV videos, you, you get the idea, but then you really see that side. And just you saw Ozzy just barely even able to hold a glass of something to drink because, oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, and then Decline of Western Civilization Part Three, which switched to gutter punk scene of the late 90s, homeless teens and squatters and whatnot. Uh, so anybody that would have a familiarity with the, these particular, or at least the first decline of western civilization has got a channel into some of my sensibilities i i want to watch all of those i think um i have i grew up for a long time kind of avoiding documentaries with this kind of negative stigma that they were boring um partly and some could be yeah that's not wrong some of them could be well and many are for sure but there are many narrative films that are boring too you know what i mean like um it's it's finding the ones that and since you know i'd say in the last seven years or so i've watched a lot of docs and still not nearly enough but um i've definitely found that no it's the right documentary is not boring period and um there's many that i still want to explore i i will say it's a lot sometimes they're a lot harder to get a hold of uh especially yes. you know that you don't usually get a theater run where we live uh for any documentaries which is disappointing because like I saw I got to see step at the Florida Film Festival which is a documentary that I really enjoyed and it had a release a couple of weeks ago and nothing I haven't seen it anywhere near us and it would be um beneficial I think uh for many to see it I think it, it has a lot to say and it does it in a very entertaining and engaging way and um and then you know uh there's so many that I would love to see and that's um, there's so many movies, period, that I want to see, and that also becomes a problem because it's often that I will avoid, um, you know, picking a doc because, like, well, I got all these other ones in my possession readily available, you know, to watch, and the documentaries aren't always there. So, um, but this one sounds like one I would even, like, you know, search for and try to get. Um, now, I'm curious because Corey, being a big music person, but notoriously i don't know if it's public or not but <laughs> she does not like documentaries is a, a kind of i don't i don't i was just about to say that i <laughs> i do like actually avoid them i know <laughs> i know i'm sorry i oh, it's, I, it's hard for me to get like get into it you know what i mean like 
think of how I feel living in the county we live in. So I, this, it's, it's, a t- it's a difficulty finding people of similar interests. I'm not, it's not a judgment. And, well, I'm not meaning it as a judgment. It's just <laughs> not everybody's going to have those same sensibilities. Yeah, is I it. will say... Sorry, I was gonna say it's interesting because um, it this is the handshake episode, and I believe you two have only been in the same room once, and I don't remember <laughs> if you shook hands. So, like, hello, sufficiently awkward. I was like, if you've never heard the Dead Ales Wives D and D Dungeons and Dragons skit, where the the character rolled up their characters and the ones a wizard, they're like, okay, you're in the same room. Hello. They don't know what to say to each other, <laughs> as characters. Um, but what what I was going to say is I lucked out a few weeks ago, and we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, PBS has Independent Lens, mm. and the documentaries they had, one was about a white supremacist in a small town and everything that happened with, with that. And then another one was three socioeconomic status students and what they are going through and, and seeing that other side of that, just those two, I mean, in one day, I was like, whoa. And I recorded both. I think I'm hoping it's still on the DVR, but PBS's Independent Lens was, I, I keep missing it over the weekends. I need to just put it on a record and, and go through that as far as the documentary. And, and just to clarify, as we move in from Mike's to Corey's, Mike's number three pick was, Decline of Western Civilization Part 1, right? Yes, the first one. Yep. So, uh, Corey, what is your number three? Back with the semi-sad love stories, um, I chose 2010's Beginners, which was mm. directed by Mike Mills. It. Um, I initially watched this one because Ewan McGregor is in it, and I just find him so charming. Um, he plays Oliver, a graphic um, artist who decides to pursue a relationship that's not likely to work out with a uh, French actress who doesn't actually have a home. She just like stays in hotels wherever she's um, filming, so it's just not likely to work out between them. But um, his outlook on life has kind of changed because his father uh, had revealed just... I think a few, okay, his mother had died, I think, five or six years before. And after she passed away, his dad came out as gay and really actually started living the life he wanted to instead of what was kind of expected of him. Mm. And that kind of um, changed Oliver, um, Ewan McGregor's character's outlook on life. Um, Very good. Um, Sad. I don't know. I, that's a movie I I saw. Twentieth Century Women, which is Mike Mills' most recent film, and I've been wanting to get oh. to this one um, because of that. So it's on my. I haven't my seen watch that list. one. Ah, that's oh. a, that's I think on Amazon Prime now. I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'll have okay. to add that to watch. Because as soon as you say Mike Mills, my ears perk up because there is a Mike Mills that is the bassist for REM, and I'm thinking, oh, because <laughs> I know uh, Michael Stipe. Is, for a while, and I think I think it's dissolved. Had C hundred films that was behind Saved and a couple other productions. Well, I think he's still so a uh, producer. I can't remember. He recently produced something though that I saw. Uh, nice. Michael Stipe. But this guy directed uh, twelve years ago, Thumbsucker, which uh, there was 
I think it was on the Malton podcast. They were just talking about Thumbsucker. I think it was the Mary Elizabeth Winstead episode. I could be wrong. Hmm. And that's hey. one I've been wanting to see for a long while. He also was involved in a Moby video of some sort. I don't know if the whole... Oh. Oh, and one of the guys from uh, Depeche Mode as well. Huh. Yeah. Just, a, lot of, a lot of directors. Martin Elgore. Devil. Yes. That's what it looks like. All right. All right. Well, that's one that, again, I'm definitely going to check out because I also have become a big Christopher Plummer fan. That's... um. I mentioned him when I was discussing the film The Exception, um, as he plays the, uh, oop, the word's gone, the Kaiser, is that the right word? I think so. Um, and he's he's such a terrific actor that I I want to see more of his work. Oh. So, and and General Chang, he was in um, which one? Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country. I have not seen that one. Really? Oh, he's he's the one that uh, the Klingon that that quotes Shakespeare. Oh, interesting. That's, I guess. Um, <laughs> I I don't have my Star Wars or oh oh oh. I'm Last so sorry, fever. and I am. I, am oh, no. I think I'm staring at like twenty Star Wars pop vinyl, so I'm gonna blame that as the reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my Star Trek information is not the best. It's if as it's, if, if it's, it's not as in as one of the J.J. Abrams films, I I don't know it. Hundreds so. of thousands of fanboys cried out. All right. Oh. Speaking of fanboys, I'm going to go to my number three. Um, this movie has I've been a fan of since 92, I'm pretty sure. I once dressed up for Halloween as one of these characters. Um, I still quote things from these movies, and there's a lot about this film that connects with me. And so Wayne's World from 1992 was a must-have on my list. Um, there's so many things about the film that just work with me. Uh it's funny. I still find it funny. Um, there are scenes that I, I immediately think of, um, like with product placement. I love their little clip on product placement when they're like, so people only do things because they get paid. And that's just really sad. And there's so I mean, you have you have Mike Myers um, kind of building his career. Dana Carvey, who's excellent. Rob Lowe, who, uh, while he's done so many movies uh, before and after, this was my introduction to Rob Lowe to my recollection as a kid. I don't remember seeing anything with him in it beforehand. Uh, Tia Carrera's career is basically lives and dies in Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> and I I still uh, find a lot of joy in this movie. But, you know, they, there's, they love music. So, again, there's that music connection that is kind of a through line through most of my films um, to some capacity. And then you have uh, that... In a way, they were like podcasters, you know, like public access mm -hmm. television is today's podcast. You know, back then that was what you you wanted to share your passion for something. That was the only free way to get it out there. Now we have podcasts. We record our voices or we record videos and put it on YouTube. But I mean, same kind of idea. And so there's that element of my life that is connected to them in that way. And then um, also seeing like them when they go from their basement to the TV studio and then you get like kind of the behind the curtain look at how TV is made as a kid. I think that might've been the first time I'd ever seen that. And so it kind of captivated my interest right away because it's something that I'm today still obsessive over. I spend a lot of time talking about how movies are made and, and um, trying to recreate that within a classroom setting. And it's, uh, I think this movie kind of spawned that. So there's a lot about this film that really connects with my interests. Um, 
even their their fandom, right? Like here they are, you know, they're starting to become these TV stars. But when they meet Alice Cooper, they mm. drop to their hands and mm-hmm. knees and and mm-hmm. like we're not worthy. Worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like if I ever bumped into some of my heroes, that's what would end up happening. So, <laughs> Milwaukee. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so Wayne's World is my number three. Uh, that you, if you didn't already catch my zang, yeah, or <laughs> I approve. Uh, I, you have enough room, I would say, in your classroom to to have like a little mini homage. Get a couple of those old old style chairs, make it look like some parents' Definitely. basement. I can even if in... they had like a some of those theater students and set designers make like a. A facade of a, of, a, of a staircase coming down. You totally could do that. Bring in my suck cut. And, you know. <laughs> it and certainly just start does wearing suck. Jeans. <laughs> start wearing jeans and uh, I guess a hat with a mullet. Yeah. I can no. I can just buy the hat that has the mullet built into it. But... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. that's, that's what I was getting. Yep, I'm that's in. I'm saying. I'm... And then, then the next step, you you got you a step-by-step process. You got to get a pacer. The only car that looks like a fat man and suspenders from behind. Which I will also, um, as I tend to do, Penelope Spheris, I think is how you say her name, is the director of the Wayne's mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, and Such a stark difference between my pick yeah. of hers I just put that together, too, it. actually. I was like, oh. Yes. Well, and then let's, we have yes. to throw in, though, she also directed the 1994 Little Rascals movie, so... She uh, is Isn't that crazy? She's a journeyman oh. director, for sure. Not an auteur. Uh, her voice... Probably will not be consistent throughout all of her films, and she's still working today. It looks like. Um, well, I think well, the documentaries have have more of her, and then she does the stuff to pay the bills. Yep. Yeah. Well, she directed Black Sheep too in '96, which I like. Oh, I forgot about that one. She she's got there's some good Gosh. scenes in that film. So, yeah, I wanted to give her another shout out because she's made it onto two of our Ooh. lists. So. Yeah. All right, Corey. She's uh, a no, common thread. We're, we're back to Mike. Mike, we're at your number two, buddy. What you got? All right. Well, I figured that none of us could argue that George Romero's original classic Night of the Living Dead, we, we can't argue against the, the fact that it is the zombie film, right? I mean, yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, for me, because I, if I recall, the original one I saw was 1985's The Return of the Living Dead, and that's the one that had the impact on my young teenage psyche. Uh, I know I've brought this one up in the past, definitely with the practical effects. This was pre way, way, way before CGI and the way they all had to do that. Uh, It was with a bit of guilt. I picked this one again, but it clicked with me and anyone that's familiar with this. uh, No, will hit more, you know, several different parts that, that are, are personal to me. Zombies, horror, punk in and in, in a That's certain true. extent somewhat it, it, this is my go-to zombie flick i know there have been others that that have caught my attention that have been released since but this is mine this is the one that got me so many years ago uh, amazingly high 91.91 percent fresh on the tomatometer 7.3 user imdb score no meta score because i would figure of its age it's it, i can't i can't even it it was one well let's put it this way and in the initiation to my youngest sister-in-law because we wanted to give her an idea of zombie movies the my thing that i did 
we picked, you know, not just zombie horror. She didn't grow up watching horror. Friday the 13th, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. We picked one of the Romero zombie films. This one was in it. I should have shown this one because she didn't really click with the Romero one really well. Oh. This one freaked her out. Um, Friday the 13th seemed like silly, campy fun. Nightmare on Elm Street still creeped us out, but this is the one that I should have gone with first as far as zombie-wise because just the brutality and, and it just seemed so realistic at well, the time. This is the first movie on your list that I have seen, and um, which means I, I will not hit my three, but... Um, I do. I also think this was one of the first movies that we ever talked about for some reason. Like I remember when I think of this movie, I immediately think of you. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no disconnect for that with me. Like this is a film that when I think of Return of the Living Dead, I think you. Same thing with Reanimator. Those two films. Oh, that which, should have been on my list. I was like, I was like, crap. I hope I didn't just give away your number one. But good, I didn't. <laughs> I got. No, you didn't. You didn't. That uh, honestly, that one for different reasons. But I think I was later watching that one. Then I was returned. Yep, and that. Um, but yeah, I I like this film. I I did not include, but was very tempted to include a Romero film on my list because um, I went through a hardcore zombie phase um, pre Walking Dead, uh, just before Walking Dead was a thing, um, and it was I I don't remember what triggered my interest, but I got. Um, you know, I went and bought all the Romero films that I could find, and I like watched all of them, and. Um, so yeah, I'm a big zombie fan, and this I like this movie too. But I I side with Romero. I don't know why exactly, um, but I definitely clicked in with his films. And I think while I do like a good horror comedy, and while uh, Return isn't a pure comedy, there's definitely comedic elements in it. And I don't know if that for some reason with zombies it just didn't work. Like it, it not that it didn't work, but why it's not the one I put ahead. Like I think I I put uh, Dawn of the Dead for sure. I think is my favorite, and it's a classic. It, honestly, I think I was late on Dawn of the Dead as well. I think I watched, might have seen Night of the Living Dead prior, but I think the other Romero ones I was later on. Yeah, I mean, all of mine are within the last. You know, whenever Walking Dead came out, what is what we're on eight seasons, so two thousand nine probably when I finally not, got it. Not our zombies. Yeah, <laughs> but um. I think it might have been Call of Duty that got me into zombies really hard. Not even, oh, not just because of the zombie mode, but there was a, uh, there was a, there was a, like a, a DLC where Romero was the big bad guy and that you had to, uh. like you were, um, um, oh my gosh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, I'm I'm like all the names in the world are not coming to me. Machete, but I can't. Danny Trejo, and Dan then Trejo. Um, Robert England, or uh, and then there was one other person. That there were the playable characters, and and you were fighting George Romero as and then zombies, um, and I think that I at the time I don't think I knew who he was, and so that was like it prompted me to do research, and then that made me buy the movies, and that's when I really fell into it. Um, I think more than anything, if I remember correctly, I'm not 100 percent I'm right on that, but I think that's the timetable of when I really became a big Romero fan. So I was very late to the party, but once I felt once I found it, I was not leaving. You know. What I'm saying? <laughs> There's a, there's a little bit of irony in that where you became a fan after you had to take them out. Oh, I never took them out. I was not good at it. I just remember oh, <laughs> having the after DLC. you were tasked, <laughs> yeah. you had to take them out. All right, but that's a good pick, Mike. Return of the Living Dead, number two. Uh, Corey, what do you have for number two? Okay, this is where I go to the ones that I've talked about before. Um, my number two is 
um, five to seven oh. with mm. Anton Yelchin, yeah. and I another sad didn't put enough. <laughs> yeah, here we are, guys. I don't like love stories unless they, you know, come with tears. So um, it's from 2014, and I'm pulling it up really quick. But um, I love that this kind of shows that love's not always what you think it has to be. Mm. That's a good way to articulate um, that. I just really love both of their characters in the movie. They're both very different, but they're trying to make this relationship work. He's much younger. You would you say like young to mid twenties? I can't remember. Yeah, I and think then so. she, I would say she's probably in her late thirties, maybe early forties. Um, he's single. He's and uh, he's a he's trying to write, be a writer, and she is married to someone that holds a like a prominent position, but I'm forgetting what his position like is. Something with and, the UN, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. And then he, they have two children together and they're just trying to make this relationship that they can only meet from five to seven every day, um, work out. But it's kind of an interesting, um, situation because each of those spouses are able to bring their lovers to like family events and everything. And apparently this isn't a very uncommon thing. Um, with the French, their French, yes. According to the um, film, at least. I've never yeah, done any research well, yes. about that. Outside no, of it. no research on the side. Um, so I just really love this movie a lot. And um, I'm glad that you watched it and you liked it a lot, too. And it'll make you cry. <laughs> it, it definitely did. Um, and it was funny because when I was watching it, it was almost over. And I went to text Corey that it didn't make me cry. And like while I'm typing it, a scene happened that broke me and I cried like ugly cried, you know, kind of. Yeah. Like. So I was, yeah. Like, oh, I was, I deleted what I was saying. Like you were so right. <laughs> <Back> um, <space. laughs> yeah. But uh, Mike, have you seen five to seven? I have not. I've watched his other romantic one, the burying the ex, which isn't quite the same. Uh, he, I mean, I like, I like and it. odd Thomas. <laughs> odd Thomas oh, makes me a, cry. Like hard yeah. at the end of that. Movie. I still haven't. Now that I know the ending for it, I still haven't watched it. I'm. Uh, it's. I know it's so. It's kind of dumb because I don't know him, but he is one of my favorite actors, and I'm really, 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 really sad. Yeah. We're not going to see any more work from I, him. I think he's become like when we did our favorite actors a while back. I don't think he was in my top five, but I think he is in my top five now. And um, we watched Rudderless for Movie Club, and that was just another example of how much I love him as an actor. And I've I've yet to see him is, in anything where I don't think he's. Is great. that the music one? Yeah, the, with the, Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup. With the band and the sundays. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, the parts. And was that Selena Gomez in that one? It is Selena Gomez yeah. in that. Yeah, I was like, what? Because I only caught bits of it, and I'm like, I need to watch this. And it, and it's, it's so entirety. good. Yeah, it was recommended by one of my seniors from last year, um, and I uh, I figured it would appeal to Corey because of Anton Yelchin and music, and um, Billy Crudup has been a theme of my summer uh, as I sat next to him, well, I guess theme of my year as I sat next to him at the film festival when I saw Jesus' Son, and then he was in Alien Covenant, and I saw that twice, and then Rudderless, um, and uh, he's in something else that's coming out that I'm looking forward to. I can't think of what it is right now, but there's some other movie he's got coming and he's also um, in 20th Century let's... Women, which we mentioned earlier. So, huh. Another common thread. Billy Crudup, man. He's in everything. Was he, was he in <laughs> Fantastic? 
Prefontaine about the runner. There was two. Prefontaine yes, he movies. is. He's in one of those. Correct. I think Jared Leto is the other one, if I'm not mistaken. Is it the other one? Yeah, they were like competing. Each yeah, other with each other. he told that story at the Q and A after uh, Jesus' son, actually, which was pretty funny. Um, oh, that's funny. Because uh, I forgot. I think there was a story about Leto being the method actor that he is, and like how he approached the role versus how Billy Crudup approached the role. So, <laughs> um, huh. but yeah, very, uh, very interesting and. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, but to Corey's point, number two was five to seven. I I love that film. I can't. Uh, I am very devastated by Anton Yelchin's freak accident of a death too. Um, and uh, if you didn't see it, I I recommend it. Let's move into my number two, and my number two is somewhat predictable. Um, nineteen eighty five, Back to the Future. Um, it's a movie that I've connected with. I think since 1987 or so. I didn't see it when it in the theater. I did see two and three in the theater. Um, and Yeah. And, I mean, instantly I clicked with that movie. I, I wasn't a skateboarder, but I immediately wanted a skateboard. And let me be very clear. I, I never got good at riding a skateboard, but I did get one, and it was because of Back to the Future. I ended up going in a different direction. I ended up picking up a guitar, much like Marty McFly. Um, and... I mean, Michael J. Fox, uh, my uh, my stepdad used to compare me to Alex Keaton from um, Facts of Life. That I, you know, the way my mind works and how I overanalyze everything, and um, and what? Then you say family Alex? ties. Oh, no, 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 family ties. Family Facts ties. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, family ties. I, I knew I was going to say I the wrong that one. Show. Um, That's a woman. But I. Uh, Back to the Future is still a film that, I mean, I, I can't get enough of. I, the whole trilogy, really, is what it should be for my number two here, but I'm going with the first one. Um, there's so many things about the movie. I still quote it. In fact, uh, the day I became a teacher, I'm pretty sure I started referring to people or saying, you don't want to be a slacker. And <laughs> that is, yes, it's a common word. It's been uttered dozens of times, and Richard Linklater even has a film called Slackers. But... My reference is from Dean Strickland, and it, there's no coincidence that I'm bald and also say slacker. So, you know, um, Back to the Future is a film that um, I think kind of represents my taste. It's uh, it's funny, but there's sci-fi elements built into it. There's music. Um, it's It's just got everything that I love. And so it's a film that I think I... I identify with in a lot of ways and it's one that I often find to be a common ground movie you know more often than not like my other three some people love them some people don't even know what they are back to the future is like like you said a litmus test in a way it's almost like my way of saying do you have a good sense of humor and enjoy a sci-fi film no then let's talk later you know (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny anything to add guys should should have been on my list but again I like to give Highlight other ones. It's on my um, honorable mentions for sure. Yeah, and, and normally, I would definitely say the whole trilogy. Normally, I go that direction too. I didn't with this list. I thought, and again, I had different versions of this list. The one I ended up with were a little more, uh, I think, predictable. And people, maybe if you've been listening to the show, you maybe would have known what they are. But I'm okay with that for this episode. I feel like it's whatever. So. All right, let's get to number ones. Uh, Mike, what do you got? And now for something completely different. And another pick of mine that seems as if it were on another list as well, but 
one that spoke to me with immediacy in my teens. 1986's Lucas. Not oh. only was it my first memory of Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder. <laughs> well, that was weird. Uh, yeah, I, I'm slurring my speech. Okay. I, I got to get ready for four o'clock. Wait, wake up call. Ugh. So uh, it's fuzzy to me whether I I watched Heather's or Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael first. But this is the one. This was Winona Ryder's screen big screen debut and a really touching coming of age story. Just Corey Haim at his everyone that, that was involved. Charlie Sheen. Uh, I want to say Jeremy Piven was in it. Carrie uh, Green. That just, I definitely identified with Lucas. Uh, not so much that I wanted to try out for football, but definitely felt the odd man out at a lot, a lot of times. I know I'm not like people would have. I, I I feel like I've kind of begun to blend in. The joke with my wife is that she sees me as the politician. Like I'll go to something, and the next thing she knows, I'm shaking people's hands and talking to people and. That's really that's really not me, because if if I do that, I'm literally exhausted and just have to shut down later. And Lucas is definitely out of step. Growing up, I definitely felt an association with him. He has very quirky interests, uh, and somehow finds himself under the wing of Charlie Sheen's quarterback character, mm. which I didn't know what that was like but you know it's it, it was odd because lucas very diminutive pretty smart for his age but this is very small stature very small kid kind of creepy in some spots because he's he's kind of pining after carrie green's character and kind of makes up these lies about his back you know says well well this is where i live kind of to make him look himself look better and all the time what a fool Spoilers, not realizing Winona Ryder's character is completely, you know, I wouldn't say head over heels, but yes, I would definitely be smitten with him. And what a fool, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, I've been there, too. I've been a fool. So um, score wise, not very good. 68 percent fresh on the tomatometer, Uh, 6.8 user IMDb score, no meta score, but. It just spoke to me really well, and and I need to own it. I've I've been needing to get my the kids to mm. watch this one because I, I just I love it. I saw this when I was a lot younger, um, and I don't, I I don't remember much. Like I remember the football element of the movie, but like I mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I didn't remember the cast really at all. I didn't realize Charlie Sheen was in this movie and whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, just such you know when he was acting. Yeah, yeah, before all the drugs and prostitutions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, uh, Corey, are you, I, I assume you're a fan of this movie because of Winona. I haven't seen this that oh, I know of. I wow. feel like I might be in the same boat. I know. Oh, I love Winona. 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 Does that yeah. mean saying that? That's the judge name. Corey, did you go 0 for 5 on Mike's list? Did I what? 0 for 5. Like, you didn't see any of his movies? Mm, nope. You didn't see Return of the Living Dead either. Um, I'm gonna have to look it up really fast, but I oh. don't think so. Is that the one with like the punk rock? Yes, punk rock zombies. Yeah. Then no, I haven't. I need to see that one. Wow. Yes. So I I had two out of five, which I said three, so I didn't make it, but very so close. So close. Yep. So close. 
man, bidding one did not pay off. All right. Um, oh, no. Corey, what's your number one? Okay, no big surprise here, guys. It's um from 2014, Frank. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Um, it came out three years ago, and I still love it a lot. Um, I think I've only watched it... I think I've only watched it one time after the two times I saw it in theater. I love everything about the movie. I love the soundtrack so much. Um, I love the story about a mentally ill musician Mm. that wears a big paper mache head, even while he's showering. Um, (laughs) I love Michael Fassbender so much in this um, that he can, he does such a good job with his body language and everything throughout the film that it doesn't matter that you can't see his face. Um, Disproving Sam Maggie. Raimi and Spider-Man. Just saying. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. But oh, uh, um, They were claiming that the reason Peter Parker has his Spider-Man mask off so much in the movie is because he needed to see his face for him to be able to emote properly. And so Frank, oh. Frank disproves um, nope. that. Yeah. And there's another movie that came out this year that also you can't see the actor's body at all, and they do a great job. Mm-hmm. Don't need to see the face. But um, yes, yeah, so I love Frank. That's my number one. I, I, and I think more people movie. need to see it. Yeah, Domhnall Gleeson is also in it, um, and he is actually <laughs> technically the lead character. Um, and I forget who the female lead is, but she's somebody great too. Oh, Maggie. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay. Gyllenhaal. Or maybe I was a little too gracious with the word great. She's good. Um, <gasps> she's good in this movie. She is. But I don't think that she's always great. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, she's great in certain roles. She's really good in Donnie Darko. Uh, and she's good in this. So. And Secretary. I don't think I saw Secretary. I need to see that. But I am familiar with that movie. Um, I forget who the she's Secretary okay. of. James Spader. Spader. That's why I Old wanted front. to see that because I like Spader a lot. Um, Spader. Then you would like it. Yeah, he he's crazy. Um, all right. Uh, crazy good. That Mike, have you seen Frank? Because I think you would like Frank. Uh, I have not. I, I it seems quirky enough for me. I I'm one of those that I miss. This is. I don't know that the, other than um, Assassin's Creed. I don't know that I disliked any of. Fassbender's work, so he, yeah, he had that's uh, Assassin's Creed is such a weird pick for him because he was like a producer on that film too. So considering if you look at his career, he's made some really great choices, and even some of the ones that you would think, oh, maybe you shouldn't do the X Men franchise is kind of questionable. But the w- movies he's been a part of have been relatively great. Apocalypse, not so much, but I mean, you can't blame him for the third movie in a trilogy he signed up for being bad. Mm-hmm. But um. The, I want to point out, though, with Frank, L- Lenny Abraham... Um, I, I, wait, hold on, I'm going to mess up his name. Abrahamson. Abraham, it's Abrahamson. Oh. Um, is the director, and he also directed Room, which was uh, nominated for Best Picture. <gasps> oh, that's, that's right. So They're so, so different. Okay. Yeah, substantially different, but he is a very talented director, and I, I, I wanted to point that out. Um, that leads me to my number one, guys. And if you've listened to this podcast, you should already know what it is because this is a movie that represents us and, you know, that we identify with. And I I, I still stand by my claim that this movie was specifically made for me. Um, It has awesome music. It has comic books. It has martial arts. It has comedy. um, It has everything 
that I am passionate about to the 10th degree. Even there's even a scene where they're on a movie set. Like it's literally everything I love compressed into one amazing, awesome film with some amazing performances. And it's Scott Pilgrim versus the world from 2010. Um, this is my favorite movie. Uh, I don't see anything dethroning it. Um, Baby Driver is really close, but Scott Pilgrim is just so personal to me. It, it hits all of my passions in such a perfect way. Um, and I found it, you know, I didn't get to see it in the theater. I remember seeing a trailer or something for it and it was like, man, I really want to see that. And I think it came and went. I think it was even here. And that makes me even more upset. But then at the same time, I feel like it's one of those glorious finds when you finally find that thing. And then it's yours and you get to just immerse yourself. And I watched this movie so many times when I first saw it. I, I Every time it was on HBO or Showtime or whatever channel it was on, I was watching it. And um, to the point where my wife liked it the first once or twice. And then she was like, are you watching this again? I'm like, yes, I love this movie. Leave me alone. And I have shown <laughs> it so many times to students. I've introduced this to every person I can because in a way it kind of it's kind of me even some people are like oh it's too it's too erratic it's too like chaos I'm like that's my brain that is it's like you get to see what my brain is like just everything bouncing around meshing together in ways that you don't expect sometimes it takes a nice breath and you get to be at peace and then it's chaos again and it's you know screaming music and it's it's just I love this film so much and it is everything about Edgar Wright that I love um in one movie and I, I, it, there is no better film to represent who I am as a person than Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So despite having spoke about this film numerous times already on this podcast, and by no means will this be the last, because again, it is my favorite movie. Um, and I honestly, I'll argue that it's pretty perfect. Like it's the filmmaking elements are great. The writing is great. Um, I just, music. yeah. Oh, the music is fantastic. The soundtrack I, is awesome. And I mean, this is one of those movies that uh, it did prompt me to go back and read the comics, um, which I also found a lot of joy in. I actually really do like those books and or the graphic novels, to be more precise. I don't think they had a uh, single issue books, but um, if you've never seen it, I can't stress enough how great it is. If you like anything I listed, like comic books, video games, whatever, and you'll note that like my list, Batman is somebody who I associate with heavily and none of the Batman movies made it into my top five. Um, none, and in fact, no Christopher Nolan movie. And that's a shame mm. because they definitely connect with me a lot. But um, Scott Pilgrim, it kind of hits the comic book thing because I like all comics. I'm not just a Batman fan. Like, I am a Batman fan. Batman is my favorite comic book character ever. But I like comics. And Scott Pilgrim kind of hits the, the comic world for me. Um, and, you know, I, I love the Marvel movies and... Uh, um, I would say since Iron Man, I love most of the Marvel movies. There's only a few that I don't really enjoy. Um, I saw Spider-Man Homecoming for the third time in the theater last night. <laughs> it's, Holy heck. Uh, it's a movie that um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have gone by myself, but my, a friend of mine um, and former, uh, he's reviewed some books for our site. So um, he he hadn't seen it and wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, I really enjoy it. And I got to say, third time watching it, knowing what was going to happen, Still enjoyed every moment of that movie. I was waiting for the jokes with that anticipation of laughter. Like I was like, "Oh, here!" and I, I'm laughing again. You know, even though I've I knew what was coming, and uh, so I feel like Scott Pilgrim kind of just hits that. I love the comic book elements, and then you know, 
video games, sound effects. I mean, God, that movie's just perfect for me. So that's my uh, number one handshake movie. Um, you guys have anything to add about Scott Pilgrim? Well, if you don't already file, follow Brian Lee O'Malley, you uh, you should on Instagram, Radio Maru. Uh, I, sh- I shot over the picture. It was, um, I, th- I feel like you planned this, exactly seven year evil years ago. Oh, wow. Today that it was released. I didn't uh, plan that, but I wish there, I had. I shot, over, I shot over the Hollywood premiere picture with a good amount of the cast, not everybody. Um on the red carpet it's it's really cool it makes me miss the scott pilgrim character generator that was online for a long time oh yeah so to make yourself a scott pilgrim character yeah it's it's i get this one shouldn't have been overlooked at the theater it was it, it was so good and it just i guess it's it it's one of those no gray areas. It's because if you click with it, you really, really click with it. And if you don't, you're not going to like it. And it is that it would definitely be a litmus test one. It definitely. It's, and in fact, that is a really good point. Um, some, so many of my students love this movie that when there's the occasional one that doesn't, it is like everybody looking at them just like, what, you know, like, did you watch the movie? Cause we don't get it. And um, it has become kind of, it's exactly what you said. It's a litmus test. It is something that um, I use as kind if of. If they dislike it, they become suspect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I may not let them know right away, but they become suspect. Yeah. And it's. I mean, there's so many great actors in this movie too. Like, it's definitely my first encounter with Anna Kendrick. Um, Audrey, I think Aubrey Plaza. This was the first Audrey time Plaza. I saw her. Yeah. Um, I was already a Michael Sarah. I wouldn't say I was a fan. I liked Superbad a lot. Um, I I didn't love in, uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, although. I might need to rewatch that one. Um, I didn't dislike it. I didn't, I just didn't love it. And um, I was really late with Arrested Development. I think I, I didn't get into Arrested Development until right before they released season four. I think I binge watched the first three seasons. So, um, but this was this is my Michael Sarah performance. Like this by far is where I I know he can be great. I love him in Juno. I can't, I can't believe I didn't just mention Juno by the way. But yeah. um, but he's a side character in Juno to me. Like it's all about Ellen Page in that film. Um, I, I like how he plays himself in This Is the End. Uh, yeah, the 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 very com- comedic twist on his persona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, let's get into uh, your honorable mentions, Mike. What if you have anything you want to mention? I do. We've already mentioned Back to the Future. Um, I, honestly, tough leaving this one out. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Quest: The Eighth Dimension. Because that's I was that's expecting that on your with. list, and that's why it, I went it, three. <laughs> it, it it almost was there, and then my John Carpenter block going with John Carpenter's the, the thing. thing, Big Trouble in Little China, yep. and they live. I want to give you a heads up, buddy. I have um, a bunch of awesome movie posters in my classroom that I uh, I found and printed, and one of them is this really great Big Trouble in Little China poster. I think I might have sent you a picture of it uh, a few months back, but. At orientation, I had three parents who were just in love that I had that poster on the wall. Like they were just, you could tell, like, like you said, a litmus test. Like, because I have my the posters vary. Like I have old stuff, I have new stuff, and then I have everything in between. And um, that one is one of those cult movies too that you know not everyone saw. Some people are going to pass it off immediately because it's got the kung fu movie element to it too that people are not going to always be drawn into. And when those guys uh, were like. 
oh man, I love that movie. I was like, Kurt Russell, yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> that that moment. So I wanted to, to tell you that, but um, <laughs> yeah, the I actually I've been wanting to rewatch that. I need to probably pop that in the Blu-ray player here soon. But um, Corey, what do you got for honorable mentions? I here comes all the horror. Um, the fog, bloody bound, the changeling, the conjuring, and twenty eight days and weeks later. I, yeah, I'm surprised Danny Boyle wasn't in your top five. I um, just I tried not to. I tried to leave things off that I've talked about a lot, and then at well, the end I couldn't. Well, I of course I didn't mention, and they've kind of fallen down as I've gotten into more film. But Fight Club and The Matrix uh, for a long time were my number one and two that I would mention. Um, Interstellar, uh, even though again I love the Dark Knight trilogy, I love the first two especially. Um, Dark Knight just I never I guess I feel like it's too obvious of a movie for me um and I so I I rarely bring it up into conversations like unless we're talking about Batman and then I will talk for days and I'll especially talk about Heath Ledger as Joker as he is probably my favorite on-screen villain ever um but um Groundhog Day uh I'm a big Bill Murray Mm -hmm. fan and I I while I love Ghostbusters and that was one of the first movies I ever saw um, there's something about Groundhog Day and me. Um, I think his kind of cynical outlook on life and his uh, dry sense of humor and sarcasm is something that I really connect with. And even I feel like part of me in a way. Um, I had Green Room on my honorable mentions, uh, Jaws and Jurassic Park. Um, I had a lot of like doubles, like I had Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. Even though I feel like I like some of Tarantino's later stuff more. Um, I've seen those two much more frequently um, than the, the newer stuff. Like I've wanted to sit through Hateful Eight again, and I just haven't. Um, but I really liked that when I saw it in the theater. Um, and then I really wanted to get the Coens on my list mm-hmm. and narrowing down which film. Um, I don't think I've rewatched any of their films except for Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, so good. Enough. Like I've seen, I've seen almost all of their films, but I think I've seen most of them once, and I can recall specific details about almost all of them. But it just, you know, picking one feels really challenging right now. And then, I, I I gotta say, it was so tough leaving Miller's Crossing off. Yeah, and that that I would not have been surprised if that was on your list, as that's a film I associate with you partly because you're the one who encouraged me to watch it. Um. I, I, did I say Green Room already? Because I feel like I, I definitely want to mention that. Um, last thing I want to uh, mention is Unbreakable. Um, mm. I I love Bruce Willis. And I could like make a joke and say Hudson Hawk, uh, which um, <laughs> I will be talking about soon, actually. But um, Unbreakable is uh, it's a comic book movie that's not a comic book movie um, or a superhero movie that's not a superhero movie or however you want to go. It, it was... There's so many things about Unbreakable that I love, and uh, I revisited it after watching Split, and it just reminded me how great that movie is. And so um, that was going to be like a handshake when I was patterning my list off of the mindset of like people say, oh, I really like the Marvel movies. I'm like, have you seen Unbreakable? That's a movie to me. Like if you're really into the superhero genre that's out right now that you should check out. While it's not going to have the big explosions and stuff, it's such a – it's in the genre, but it's so counter to the normal programming of the genre. But it's fantastic. So um, I think that's it for me. Um, guys, thank you for giving up your Sunday evening uh, to record our newest episode of Top 5. Corey, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks. Will I be here next week also? 
I believe that I is the case. So. Um, I think you are okay. back unless uh, unless Ben's like, oh, but I really, really want to. And then we maybe even, you know, we'll figure something out. But Well, then he can be here. I didn't want to be a jerk. Uh, well, I don't know if uh, what his plan is. Um, you know, Ben's Ben's in school right now, and that's that's always a, a struggle. Um, Word. Homework and things of that nature. And, and so we do appreciate him filling in. And um, Thank you, Ben. The most recent episode of uh, Burke Reviews Movie Club, we watched The Seventh Seal. And the next episode, uh, we are watching The Fountain by Darren Aronofsky because of his new film coming out, Mother. Um, and I have, he's a, a glaring gap in my director's list. I've not seen a lot of his movies. So something I'm going to try to get uh, remedied before Mother comes out because I am intrigued by that film despite Jennifer Lawrence being the lead. So, <sighs> yeah, kind of how I feel. But, you know, <laughs> Javier Bardem is in it and he, he wins me over instantly because he is an awesome bad guy. So, um, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, you can reach you. out. I, I forgot the uh, Twitter thing, so sorry. Reach out to sorry. us on Twitter. I'm at Burke Reviews. Mike is at? Server Mikey. And Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. We'd love to hear, what are your handshake movies? What are the five movies that tell us who you are? So, if you haven't talked to us before, reach out. Introduce yourselves and tell us about that. Uh, new episodes of The Rough Cut are coming out weekly. That is the newest member of the Burke Reviews family of podcasts, and so make sure you check those out. Subscribe to all of our podcasts, and if you could, leave a rating on iTunes. It helps people find our podcast, and we are grateful forever. And again, one more shout-out to Pure uh, Pure Cinema Podcast because they're the ones who inspired the idea of the Handshake episode. So, um, all right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Peace. All right. Bye.